I'm drinking a beer. You are? Isn't it like, oh yeah, it's afternoon now. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Dude, I'm not having beer I'm in the afternoon on a Friday. I should be drinking beer. I thought you were going to um, be drunk. Okay. But I'm not. Alas. Listen to Charge Podcast, Episode Six, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host Owen Williams, and joining me yet again is John Edgar. How are you doing, John? Owen, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Good. Coming. Hey, for a minute there, you had me full. I know. I thought you were uh, gone nope. from Slack. I decided to Man, troll you. You really got me. Sorry. Um, I'm good. I'm in New York this week. And it is, yeah, it's really sunny um, and hot. I'm jealous. It's rainy and cold. I'm glad we discussed the weather this what is week the, last week. What is the like sad. median temperature of Amsterdam? Cold and wet. No, uh, it's probably like, I would say in the summer, anywhere between 16. Oh man, we've got an American audience. I can't do this. Uh, 16 Celsius and 25 Celsius in the summer. And then in the winter, it's like at below five every day. But I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I only work in Celsius too, so that's okay. Oh, um, well. Yeah. I'm Canadian. So yeah, there you go. did you see the news this week? It's actually been a relatively interesting week. A lot of stuff has happened compared to last week. There has been a few things. Last week was a bit boring. Although actually I, re- I listened to our last week's one and actually quite liked it. And also we should probably say thanks for all the reviews that we got between last week and this week yeah. because people, people said some super nice things about us. I know it made my day this morning. It was a long week and it was awesome. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Now let's talk so, about the news. um, yeah, I wanted to tell you, sorry, I wanted to tell you about this company called Magic Pony Technologies, which frankly I just think name? their name is phenomenal. It is their real name, and I think Are it's, it's sure? a great name. <laughs> I went to their website. I think it's magicpony.technology, if Beautiful. I recall correctly. It's a very good do, uh, URL. So they are a startup in the UK and uh, they focus on AI. They came out of um, Imperial College London, which is a really good school, uh, and their team is basically like stats, comp sci, neural networks, yada yada um, right. type of folks that uh, we've been seeing coming out of academia over the last year or so, and have been a lot of the driving forces in um, neural networks and and artificial intelligence and uh, deep learning and all those kind of mm. things. So they have um, a they've raised a huge amount of money. Um, I think in this article it may say that it's an undisclosed amount of money, but I'm relatively sure that it's a, a large <laughs> amount. Um, and they are doing this really interesting thing where they're using AI to clean up and like interpret what um, visuals and models and renders should look like in computer games. So, Interesting. Yeah, so like if you're playing WoW and you're like getting the real-time like stream from the server, I guess, yeah. uh, and it's like modeling this environment that you're in, they have this um, kind of algorithm, I guess, uh, that will take... Um, a very low quality pixelated um, shape and and uh, and 
colors and depth and whatever and re-render it into uh, a high quality uh, wow. image, which is, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And I think like the, my mind just start, like I haven't been able to stop thinking about this since I read about it because mm. my degrees in digital imaging technology and, um, the idea that like Photoshop's always tried to do a good job of creating things like uh, Gaussian blur yeah. and unmask blur and like all of these uh, kind of Photoshop tools that um, al- allow it to interpret what your image should look like and, and make it the best that it can. All the auto magic buttons that have appeared in our imaging software over the next little while. Well, this is one step away from like auto editing, right? Where you put a uh, image into um, Lightroom or Photoshop or something like that, and it like really can do a good job of understanding what the image w- could look like in its most ideal you know, state. All I'm um, thinking of, and that's is, really cool. Uh, you know, on CSI, they're like enhance. It's literally that almost. I mean, it is not that. quite. Yeah, it is. It, it is, is that, that actually. You know, no, no, it is that. It yeah, like, yeah, like almost oh, is really oh, that. That, that. That perpetrator is blurry. Enhance, and now we can do that to yeah. our own photos. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. I think it'll be interesting. Have to you see ever been that. in a movie? Have I been in a movie? No, I haven't been in a movie. Have you? Oh, okay. Have you no, it just sounded like you were really good at reading uh, your lines. I was. I was just. Uh, you know, I was prepared for this. <laughs> no. Uh, so it's really interesting because I think that those kind of technologies will show up in surprising places. I think uh, what you see at the moment with products like Google Photos, I don't know if you've used it, but it's amazing. I get a push notification maybe once every couple of days and it's like, oh, we did another thing to your photos. And you look at it and it's a filter on your photo or they bring out the colors or um, what they often do is they combine a set of photos of yours into a GIF and they're like, oh, here's a GIF we made for you. And I think those kind of technologies are going to start crop up and cropping up in those ways and we won't even know it like you won't know that that's a neural network behind there uh oh, by the way i was going to mention that for those listening that don't know what a neural network is it is basically an ai uh it's 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 a computer system that's like i guess modeled after the human brain right is that right i think mm-hmm. it's right yeah yep. <laughs> so it's so used interchangeably it's the, a lot it's, of the time yeah it's like where the line blurs between mathematics and computer science i feel like and then a little bit of biology but if you look at a lot of the stuff that I'm Jack Clark is, if you're interested in this stuff, you should follow Jack Clark, um, the Bloomberg journalist, because right. he's definitely uh, the dude that's like the cutting edge uh, of kind of what's going on in this in this space. But uh, it's the it's the concept of like modeling the prop, the neural processes that go on uh, naturally in our brain using algorithms and then using uh and then using mathematics and computers to to uh it's very very good it's impressive what they're doing with them i saw this week that a design lab trained a neural network to design logos and it's crazy you put in i'll put the link in the show notes if you want to check it out uh you basically you just type in any word and it just goes away and generates an endlessly refreshing list of logos. It is mm. hauntingly good. I put in, um, well, I actually read about it from Fastco and they, what they did is they put in, the, they typed in Fastco, of course, because they're like, 
well, let's see what happens. And what was amazing about it is they spent thousands of dollars on their logo and this neural network basically, uh, one of the first 10 designs was the same as theirs. And I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and it was crazy because you can, um, you can like photos and it learns over time what your, uh, what your preferences are. And then it starts generating logos based on what you've liked. It is crazy stuff. I encourage you to check that There's out. There's some real, yeah, there's some real questions to be had around what this does to the kind of future workforces and stuff like that. Um, I think like this, uh, um, uh, Magic Pony companies. Um, I love the name. Technology. I love the name too. Uh, it, like for a company like Netflix, if you could just send like, uh, you know, 150 KB uh, crappy version of the um, film to the computer and the computer could understand how to right. interpolate and up-res and, and, and kind of generate a, a high quality image from this low quality thing like that fundamentally has the potential to change um, our use of bandwidth on, on like mobile or something yeah. like that, and which I is a huge issue, the, right? That's the big thing with the next leap in internet is it's probably not going to be bigger data pipes or 5g or any of that stuff. It's cramming more into what we've got which is an underappreciated opportunity. You know, I think even I was talking with somebody this week about cable internet and every couple of years they're like, oh, we've reached the, the maximum of cable internet. You can, you can get 200 megabits. You know, they announced last year that they can do 10 gigs down a just an old coax connection. Who knows, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. So it's quite, it's quite interesting to watch. And Netflix is using neural networks already. I read, I read a great Wired piece about how they use neural networks to crop photos for the maximum uh, watch, what, like clicks, basically. So they, they crop out different people's heads and test them and like crazy. And then the computer chooses whichever one converts fastest, which is just phenomenal. So that's pretty cool. Jeez. It's, it's crazy. Uh... We live in crazy times, man. I know. I feel like every week we talk about things and like even I and you, uh, presume you who like spend our time in this world are still constantly just like the applicate, like the application of all of these technologies over the next five, 10 years is, is like potentially like mind blowingly. Yeah. We, I don't know. It's hard to even like begin to understand yeah. the things that can and will come from it some of them amazing and some of them terrifying i'm sure yeah i mean that's why there's a whole bunch of very smart people trying to stop ai or at least control it as well uh um yeah <laughs> well yeah so seeing on your yeah well yeah no i mean like i mean elon musk has said yeah. like we got to do this responsibly I, like this is just like i there's a lot of really interesting conversations that have to and will be had at a national level, I hope, um, around encryption, around privacy, around artificial intelligence, around machine learning, about basic income, um, how all of this stuff uh, affects the economy, how it affects society. Um, and like really like my, my, one of my mentors, in fact, my main business mentor, a guy by the name of Mark Maltz, Super interesting dude. Um, came up through AT&T and he sent me an email the other day and he said that it was some quote from some, um, I think it was a FT or a Forbes article. Mm. And the, the thesis was basically, 
innovation is considerably less interesting these days. And the interesting stuff is the application of technology to problems in an innovative way, right? right. Like that really should be the innovation that we strive um, as a group of humans to, to move towards over the next you know, five to 10 years is like, you know, we've come a long way in, in computer science and, and technology. Um, and you and I grew up through that yeah. and, and became adults in that. And now it's like, okay, let's stop trying to be like whiz kids and cool and design all these interesting things. And let's take all of these amazing things that we have and figure out how to use them to solve real problems. Right, right. Um, and I really, and I really, do think that that is um, as as cliched as it is to say. In fact, uh, it makes me sick saying it. I love cliches. But that is the, the that is the future. It's the future. Oh man! Um, I saw on your Twitter basically all week that you were blabbering on about uh, something to do with uh, the encryption um, oh, bill. I'm sad. And then I was also I was also reading on Hacker News that Canada has the RCMP has the uh, master key or something for Blackberries. I presume yeah, you know a little bit about it's that. It's been an interesting week for encryption. I feel like we talk about encryption every week, but I guess that's because it's important, so we won't stop talking about it. We'll start with the Canadian thing. That was pretty intense. So uh, basically Vice did a joint investigation with itself, I guess. They're both like Vice publications. Wait, what? Well, the motherboard is a Vice publication. I'll post the links. It's very strange. Anyway, they did a, this investigation and they found that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, right? Is that right? It's like crazy. That it's it the is actual, the Royal Canadian the Mounted, mounted police. police. Not the police, the Mounted Police. Uh, well, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police are the federal, yes. or the F or the FBI. They're yeah. like the federal arm of, of the Canadian law enforcement. good to be clear about that. So that they have a way more badass name. Anyway, so the Canadian FBI, they, they basically at some point in 2010 got a hold of BlackBerry's encryption key. And so, I mean, this is crazy on so many levels. BlackBerry prides itself on being a company that didn't you couldn't crack their phones i mean obama uses a blackberry which is kind of you know the point the point was that if you sent somebody a message on bbm oh man blackberry messages so many so many memories they uh if you send them, pins yeah if you if i sent you my pin nobody was supposed to be able to intercept that it was supposed to be secure the decryption key lived on my phone well as it turns out blackberry actually appears to have handed it over to the police voluntarily it's it's a little bit between the lines, but they say in a statement that the police basically, if they were compelled to do it, they had to do it. And and they when asked if if they have released the code, they said, "Oh, if we if we reveal the information, it will harm our business." So basically, yes. <laughs> so it's it's fascinating, really, that they've that it's this investigation says that they had harvested hundreds and thousands of people's information they they it's still kind of unclear at what level they were intercepting but it sounds like it was on the cell phone provider and basically they caught all messages decrypted them and then sent them to the destination which is just crazy i mean it's just so contrasting to the u.s and it, it's a very similar situation it was in a, in a a murder situation and the Canadian Royal Mounted Police. Oh my goodness, they they RCMP. Yeah, they asked for the key, and the B BlackBerry assumably just gave it over, which is so contrasting to what's happening in the US right now. Apple 
got asked by the FBI to break into a phone and they just said no. And then it turns out that the FBI got in anyway, which is a whole nother kettle of fish, but it's, it's just the complete opposite. And then in the U S they can't so far compel anybody to do that. But a new development this week, they just filed a draft bill. Is it a draft bill? Yeah. Uh, for consideration to Senate, which basically will compel companies to have a way to unencrypt or have a backdoor into phones. Basically, if you're a phone maker, you have you are responsible for what what your customers do with your phones, which is crazy. It is unbelievable. So they want the same amount of power as the RCMP. Hey, I said it right. Yeah. I would say that the the there is like a s- small contrast between what rim uh, research in motion slash blackberry has done and what apple has done in that apple was being compelled to create a yes. decryption key and research in motion had uh created a global they had uh, decryption the, the decryption key for yeah for bbm anyway um and so if you look at the i saw uh a um, diagram of how they were doing it. And like you said, it seems like um, they were intercepting the communication at the um, service level provider. That's great. They were taking the messages, relaying them off into what they call RIM Relay, which is a server um, owned by the uh, RCMP. Mm. And then they were, and then they were, Recrypting it and passing on that encrypted uh, data back to the so service crazy. provider, which was then being relayed back to the uh, telephone. So, um, that is is quite like the thing that I think is really weird about this is it's actually more severe than what happened and is going on in the U.S. Yeah. Like this is the Canadian government going to a Canadian manufacturer who at the time happened to be one of, I guess at the time was probably the largest, 2010, yeah. um, you know, like smartphone, you know, uh, company around. I mean, Blackberry is like the bee was the bee's knees then the Canadian government went to them and said, look, you're a Canadian company. We're the Canadian government. You have to do this in this Canadian investigation. They used, um, a, a, uh, beautiful, uh, French ex parte, uh, hearing, uh, thing, which is behind closed doors. The defense council is actually not allowed to attend it. Only the crown and the, and the, and the, um, judge are allowed to attend it. And basically the, and, and, so the the prosecution was trying to say we need you to we need the crown to prove that the uh, key that you used to decrypt the communications was the key, was like actually a key that was issued by back by BlackBerry yeah. um, so that we can um, we can agree with the authenticity of the uh, intercepted communication <laughs> and. So they asked for the the defense asked the judge to compel the crown to hand over all of the information they had around how they were able to intercept the messages, including mm. the decryption key itself, so that they yeah. could go to uh, research in motion and verify that that was the encryption key that um, that research in motion provided to 
the crown um, or provided the RCMP in order for them to decrypt the communication. And uh, the one of the directors of like law enforcement or whatever at uh, Research in Motion put an aff- put forward an affidavit into court, basically like you said, saying, "Well, if we do this, then it will uh, impact our relationship with our end users and yeah. also other um, foreign investigations." And the thing that made me most icky, as a even a, like actually, I think it made me icky as a Canadian, yeah, is that. There is like this very bizarro, high and mighty language that is coming from the crown and from um, the court that basically says, if we tell the general public about this, um, other countries that don't have the same rule of law that we do may be able to do this. Oh. And it's like, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> like, <laughs> get out of here. This is insane. <laughs> like and all of this is able to happen because to my mind because research in motion is based in Waterloo yep. and the and this crime happened in Canada and it's like organized crime so it touches the federal level it's and just so, slimy man like it's slimy it is it's weird and like okay I get that it is all in the name of like in this instance you read through it and you're like this is a legitimate investigation. Right. Um, you know, they're 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 Montreal and Quebec generally is plagued with huge amounts of organized crime and there's right. huge issues in in Quebec around around that stuff. Um, but you, the conversation never got to happen with the Canadian people. Right, but more importantly, and and as is true with I, uh, Apple too, the conversation never got to happen globally, and it's not like Research Emotion only sold Blackberries in Canada. Right, right, yeah, that's the bigger question as well, right? If it's the global decryption key, is that the global? It is the global de- de- yeah, decryption key. Everything, and the other thing that's crazy is they they say in there that Blackberry didn't rotate the key at all. You know, I mean, that's another smoking gun. You're supposed to rotate your encryption keys, but they never did for six years. Wild. So, unbelievable. Wild. I'm sure it's going to get worse. And I don't think, I think it's underreported too. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I actually, uh, I saw this week that it was very rarely, not that widely covered, which is crazy. I guess, I guess that's probably partially because it's like, oh, Blackberry, they exist still, which is a bad attitude to have because mm-hmm. they could be, they do still exist. <laughs> yeah, they exist. A lot of people actually use their phones, believe it or not. And there's other companies out there. Uh, a good example is Samsung, who have not publicly come out in favor of encryption or said anything at all. So it's still a big issue. And if, if Blackberry did this, there's going to be other phone makers that did this. So... It's it's really fascinating to me. I don't know. On another topic about phones, a huge-ass company got acquired this week that a lot of people probably can't think of off the top of their head, but they've used their shit a lot. Can you tell us about that? So, Mitel, which I guess we're staying on this, the theme of uh, of Canadian companies, because I'm pretty sure, although don't quote Uh-oh. me on this, but I'm pretty sure Mitel is a Canadian company. We used to do work for them at, I'm gonna Google at it. Uh, myplanet.com. Uh, which is where I used to work. And we did some interesting um, VoIP projects for them. And to that end, Mitel has acquired Polycom uh, in a cash stock deal valued at a little shy of $2 billion. Uh, $2 billion billion. for a speakerphone company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when, well, when you think of where they must 
like, so they're traditionally, I would imagine, uh, compete with like, um, Cisco and like WebEx and stuff like that. And sure. now we're moving into uh, software defined world. They are, I'd imagine, finding them themselves competing with like Slack and Hangouts and Skype and stuff Skype. like that. Yeah, exactly. Hangouts, anything. Yeah. Uh, and so interesting. I think that we're going to see a interesting consolidation. There's going to be a lot of consolidations that probably in the enterprise tech space over the next. Uh, over the next um, couple of years, spe- especially in like uh, in uh, co-location and stuff like that, in, in telco. Yeah. But um, have you ever had a good Polycom no. experience? No. I have not. It's utter shit. Every time I've worked at a relatively large company, I'm sorry if any Polycom people are listening. I feel bad about trash talking companies sometimes, but. It's it's always trash. It's always like, oh, the speaker quality is not working pro- properly. Oh, they can't hear us. And you spend fuckloads of money on Polycom. Not even a, like not even just a shitload, like a fuckload yeah. for it's a like meeting boats. room. It is crazy. Boats and trucks full of yeah, dollar bills. It's, it's crazy how much they charge, and it, like it just I've never had a good experience. And then you have these things like what Google's doing with the um, like Chromebox meeting. Yeah, room that's really good. Setup. It's like a it's a small computer built into the speakerphone and you just use Google Hangouts and holy shit, yep. it works. Unbelievable. Put a bunch of directional microphones in a box, it works. We used that at, we used <laughs> that at DigitalOcean and it was baller. I loved it. It was so nice. Yeah, it's really nice. And you know, I, it's just simple. It doesn't do anything Ironically, else. we're sitting here trash talking Polycom and really I do honestly, frankly, completely agree with you. I've never had a good Polycom experience. Um, but yeah. I was reading the uh, statement that Mitel put out and I'm, if I remember the the whole thesis of the statement was that Polycom is like um, uh, synonymous with um, quality and innovation, and that like everyone yeah, respects them, that and that they're like the yeah. Let's, standard. Get, let's get this. Uh, they, they list out this number one in business cloud, number one in IP PBX extensions in Europe, number one in phones, and it goes on and on. There's like twenty five of these things. So like they actually took the time. To write them out. And look, here's the thing. I'll be fair. They probably are. I'm sure they are number one. Yep. They are an enterprise. But not for much longer. No. Everybody hates them. I'm sorry, Polycom. I feel bad. Sorry, Polycom. But sorry, Mitel. Yeah. Let's. Good luck with that. Let's talk about something else. Yes. What about the bot? bot something happier. Bot apocalypse. It's not that happy. Shit. I can't say the robot apocalypse. The Facebook apocalypse. Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Facebook had its yearly developer event this week, which is always kind of interesting. For the, I remember the, for the first few, it's called F8. And for the first few years, I, I, I actually, on another thing, it's kind of ironic. What is F8? It said fate. It's like kind of creepy. Oh. Well, it's not actually said that, what? but you could pronounce it that way. What does F8 do? It's that a key. F8? It's, it's just a developer conference. So every no, year. The, the key F8 on the keyboard. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an F F eight button. F eight uh, can perform several functions and does not have an assigned Windows default. Ooh. However, starting in Windows two thousand or Windows XP, holding the F eight key would boot into safe mode. So, and <laughs> also F nine opens too. the measurements toolbar in Quark. So, <laughs> thanks for that. Great, good fact, John. So, <laughs> all right, sorry. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Facebook F eight is basically like a, a developer conference, and for the first few years of F eight, it was basically like the place that they would go to announce the new Facebook design. But for, for, 
which is amazing. But for the last few years, they haven't, like, there's been no new Facebook design. And they've shown off various developer products. Last year, I think it was the Messenger API. Uh, but this year was pretty interesting because they're really pushing bots. It is crazy. Like, it is literally the bot apocalypse. They're, like, they basically want you to message bots on Facebook Messenger for your whole life. They want, like, a good example of a Facebook bot at launch is you can message Burger King and order a burger on Facebook Messenger. Or you can message, uh, what was it? It's like a shoe store or something. And you can just message it and be like, I want shoes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it can send them to you. It's cool. It's, I, like, I think it's cool. Didn't Microsoft just come out with, like, Bot Cloud on Azure or something like that as well? Did we talk yeah. about this already they have once? A, they have a... Yeah, I think we talked about it. So they have a bot API. Microsoft bet bet on this like four weeks ago or something like that. It's really interesting to Facebook go all in. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, dude. Like Facebook has 900 million users and everybody hates calling companies. I've like, I don't really ever have a good time calling a company. It's always like, I can't hear them. They can't hear me. I don't know. There's like some weird stuff here it's always another thing where like maybe the person on the other end doesn't speak english properly so it's always kind of a up in the air experience i don't know i just hate phone calls maybe that's the millennial in me speaking but with facebook messenger it is cool that you can be messaging companies and just deal with it all in one go although it is a little strange as well because you have to know what to say to the bot so the funny thing about these Facebook Messenger bots is like the Burger King one. You, you like type in Burger King and it opens up and it's blank. And so you have to be like, hey. <laughs> and the, That's the, weird. The bot messages back like, oh, you can order a burger and here's the menu and I can see a whole thing. But that, that whole discoverability is crazy, right? Like if you don't know the question to ask, is it really faster to talk to a bot or is it faster to just go to a website and click a button? I, I'm it's I think it's I think it's at the moment it's that thing you know where it's like a land rush and everyone's like yeah we're gonna build a bot yep. but there's gonna be this long tail of shakeout where half of the shit that gets turned into bots is just useless shit and it's gonna be easier to go to the Domino's website than type out a bunch of stuff you know it doesn't make any sense well the, yeah like I think you hit the nail on the head this is like yeah. definitely uh, archery arrow pointed straight at the call center um world and also to be able to create a considerably more uh, personalized experience while um, hedging out the complexity of trying to create a unified and consistent experience with interacting with a company. Um, But, and I think it's like going to get really good. uh, And I think that, we're going to see a, a hell of a lot more of it. I wonder, though, <clears throat> like you think about this, right? It's just it's just a system, like everything, systems thinking. So uh, it's like right. the external world has to interact with some component of um, our business that is uh, behind the... Um, like the interface of the outside world, be it a telephone or an email address or a <laughs> website, or in this instance, a bot. So I wonder there, then there, if there is a um, a market or a a yep. need uh, that is going to have to be right, filled. Right. Startup, free startup idea in five, four, three, two, one, to uh, reduce the or help 
uh, enterprise and businesses understand the if this then that uh, on the business side, right? So if uh, this person calls about their insurance claim and they say this, then you need to call this database over in this corner of the company and check this thing. And then if this is that, then you have to file this piece of JSON with this database, which will provide it with the information that it needs to update this file. And then once that file is updated, then you need to do this, this, and this, right? Um, And so like who's doing the job of helping enterprise figure out what's on the back end of the bots? I don't know if that's going to be Microsoft and and, uh, Facebook and uh, I presume AWS. Yeah, I mean, AWS will come out with this. Slack is actually in the best position for this because they they own the communications platform too. Yeah, they need to increment on BotKit real quick. I think they released that a little while ago. It was like the bot uh, SDK. But yeah, they need it. Well, here's the thing. The problem with most bots for me is that even the ones that Facebook demoed, they're not they're not really what I would have expected from a bot. I was expecting proper natural language processing stuff, but a lot of these bots are just looking at your response for a certain word and they're like, oh, I know what that word is. I'm going to reply with a boilerplate response. <laughs> so it's, you know, Facebook M is a really good example of blending bot actual neural network learning with humans to give answers to any question. You can message Facebook M if you're in San Francisco where they get everything good and say, I want tickets to the Coldplay concert in Oakland this weekend. And it will, if it doesn't know the answer, or it doesn't know how to do that immediately. It goes into a queue with a bunch of humans and the humans take care of it and then reply as the bot and you can just book through it. I think that's valuable. What I think is not valuable is what we're seeing at the moment, which is that early phase. that's super awkward. I had an argument with the weather bot that Facebook launched, the poncho bot, where I was like, what's the weather in Amsterdam? And it immediately replied, well, weather's not available in your location. I was like, excuse me? And then it, I tried to ask again, like, will it rain tomorrow? And it's like, I don't know where will it rain tomorrow is. Can you try again? And I'm like, Ugh. like that is not bots. It's not dumb shit that just replies with another API, right? I think it should be a bit smarter than that. I think, yes, we are seeing only the first iteration of it. But my other question is, how much mental space do people have for bots nagging them about a bunch of shit? So uh, CNN launched a bot this week, and it's like you can message it and ask it the latest news and stuff, and then it immediately just starts messaging new news in the coming time repeatedly. And I'm like, how many thirsty bots are we going to have up in our shit? And Facebook wants it to be all messed up with your like personal stuff. And that just, to me, maybe I'm old now. It doesn't appeal to me. I, I, I want messenger to be my friends, not here. I'm going to message Domino's and maybe, maybe they hide that somewhere else or something, but I'm worried about what it becomes eventually when it's all blended in together. Right. Yeah. I think obviously I have a bunch of concerns. They want to be where you live. And I think that's fine. But it's like the same as everything else. Like it, it was the same when brands started coming on social media a little bit, right? Like right. I don't need you tweeting me all day, but I want you yeah. to be there on Twitter when I want to tweet at you and I want you to reply to me yeah, and I want yeah. to have this conversation. And like maybe I want to follow you and see your product updates and whatever. And like that's my choice to opt in and follow you. But brands who nailed the um, social engagement in the media space 
will be the ones that have the highest potential to nail the engagement in the interactive um, application space. And sure. uh, I, I'm long on Denny's then because Denny's Twitter is baller. <laughs> Denny's has Denny's has thirst, man. Yep. But yeah, I think that's it. If, if you can if you can get in the place where like people want you there, that's fine. But we're in that awkward phase at the moment where it's like, here's a bunch of bots. They all do very limited niche shit. And you're probably not going to remember to message them rather than Google what's the weather in Amsterdam. It's like the Amazon you know? dash button that we uh, talked about last week. <laughs> shit. I hate that stuff. That's crazy. I, yeah, there's going to be bots everywhere in the near future and nobody really knows what it means. I think a lot of people listening to this will probably be like, yeah, but I keep hearing bots and it means nothing, right? Like nothing to me. And I think that's yeah. that's the problem with, and the other problem that you have, we keep talking about this land rush is I think that because of what happened with the app store that nobody saw it coming, they were kind of blindsided and a bunch of people made a lot of money. I think that bots what's happening there is people are like, Oh, it's the new apps. And so we're kind of seeing this unprecedented dog pile to be not late this time, if that makes sense. Like all of these companies were like, Oh my God, we need to make an app. Oh my God. Oh my God. And now this time they're like, Oh, bots, we're there. We're there. We're not going to be late. <laughs> you know, so I think that's part of the problem. The irony right being that this is just coming full circle from a bunch of, um, uh, uh, Python scripts in the in the uh, yeah. in the uh, IRC days. Like you want to you yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. about is... bots. Like Q was the original bot on QuakeNet or like whatever Fnet had. Right. Like we've been we had amazing stuff. Yeah. Like a Hubot in uh, IRC days that was built by GitHub. That was a while ago. Like early early GitHub days. We had um, like the IRC. Um, I can't remember the actual name right now, but the IRC uh, ops bots and stuff that would police the channels for you and stuff. Like, it, all this, all of these things have come full circle, but the only reason it's coming back now is because we have the saturation in a single place of users. Messenger has 900 million users. The biggest IRC channel probably had like 10,000, probably not even that. Yeah. And that's why it's you're seeing this like new saturation. So I think watch people who want to try and wrap their head around bots should just literally consider it a like logical set of if this, then that statements. Yeah. And that's like, it's nothing particularly interesting or complicated. Um, right the now. stuff that the, right now, and I think the 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 gains that will come from our uh, uh, learnings to interact with a non-human application, yeah. non-human service portal, um, will will feed into what becomes uh, the the um, bringing to industrialization and, and consumerization of artificial reality and, and uh, artificial yeah. intelligence and deep, deep artificial so, reality. I love it. <laughs> artificial. Everything's artificial reality. Friday <laughs> afternoon, man. Yeah. You're having beer, right? I That's am having a is. Friday afternoon. Um, so did you, do you know about this company? Uh, I don't want to talk about bots anymore. They're boring. Yeah. I don't actually find okay. them that interesting. The bot Sorry. is pretty boring. Let's never talk about it. No. Um, <laughs> Have you heard of this company, uh, Theranos? Oh man, have I heard of Theranos? Yes, but well, other people I, might not have. It's tell interesting, the actually. Great tale. I will tell you. Well, I won't, I'm not going to tell you the whole great tale of Theranos because Just let me, the because TLDR. the whole great tale of Theranos is very long. Um, 
I started becoming interesting in the interested in the company when I started talking to private equity people um, and asking them where they were starting to see like what companies were the leading indicators in the risk in the venture market, right? So if you're not going to be a limited partner in a venture fund, what what venture investments were you using as like the bellwether for right. the, how things are doing in the venture industry? Sure. Snapchat was one, um, yada, sure. yada, yada, yada. But the one that everyone consistently said was like, you want to know why winter is coming in the, in the venture space? It's because of uh, Theranos. And so for people who are, yeah, so people who aren't familiar, Theranos is a company that was founded by um, a brilliant and very headstrong woman by the name of um, Elizabeth Holmes. And she um, wanted to disrupt the testing, laboratory clinical testing industry by creating a machine that would uh, be able to do multiple tests on um uh, clinical samples uh, in one machine, right? And single drop of blood, basically. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I can't remember if it was one of the things about it was that it was non-vascular uh, too. But regardless, it was supposed to be like super, low, yeah, super low impact, no needles kind of thing, and you could get back a bunch of whole series of tests. They've raised like a hundred million dollars or something like that, and they're valued at like some insane. I think it's really their valuation. I think that was kind of what gets them in trouble with the, with the um, folks in, yeah. the, in the public and private equity markets. But because uh, I think it was like, oh, I don't remember, but it was somewhere between three and five billion, I want to say it was their right. last valuation. Anyway, it has been a rocky, rocky road for them. Um, yeah. They are constantly running into problems with uh, regulation with their machines not really doing the things that they say they're going to do with their time turnaround times with and Walgreens with CVS it covering it up and you know Elizabeth has consistently said the same thing in fact this afternoon I watched um, I watched her on Mad Money um, and nice. she was like you know it's hard doing what we're trying to do. So it's not going to be easy. And we're trying to like disrupt an industry and we're trying to disrupt a highly regulated industry. And so, you know, there's going to be bumps along the way. And I think that's fine, but I think that they, so this most recent thing is basically, um, they received a, uh, a letter from, um, I don't, it wasn't the, uh, whoever oversees the, the regulatory, um, body that oversees, uh, uh, this clinical testing stuff, um, center for medical and Medicaid services, I think, um, basically said that they are, uh, investigating, uh, putting through a, a sanction barring her and, um, the, uh, this, the doctor that's kind of the overseeing doctor hmm. from owning or running the operations of the lab for two wow. years and removing their, two um, years. removing their license. Oh, yeah. So that's one way to shut them down. Or yeah. Get rid of her. So more or $9 billion is what it was valued at. I just pulled up the um, article that I had uh, bookmarked, but uh, more bad news for them. Um, and the weirdest thing for me was that, their spokesperson said this is completely normal practice and process and that, uh, you know, we're not weirded out by it, which, I mean, I, I guess that could be true. And it's, I don't know anything about the, the, the clinical uh, 
uh, space. We should ask Martin Shkreli. I'm sure he knows more. <clears throat> but uh, uh, yeah, interesting. I, I always follow that company closely because I think that it's a good um, indicator of a very well-funded, older startup that's been trying to run into a heavily regulated space. Um, and Which is I, always interesting seeing Silicon yeah. Valley try and like disrupt hard things. It's kind of like always kind of entertaining to watch and also like very painful and slow. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, we saw it. We saw it happen with Zenefits. Um, yeah, we're seeing it happen with Theranos. Like and very naive uh, people sometimes. Uh, I think that you they forget how how regulated regulated really is. <laughs> yeah, and like in some in some instances, I think regulation is set up so that um, some people get the contracts and like. And yeah. like big business continues to get bigger, and you know there's like some SpaceX has the uh, problem with the def- Department of Defense where they want to launch their rockets, but they couldn't until this year. Right. So there's definitely some like special interest stuff in there, and I think it's really good to to try and disrupt that. But there's also like you know this is this is um, analysis of of blood for uh, the purpose of of identifying disease uh and like half the things that yeah it's not really like a thing you can fuck around with um and the constant feedback that they've gotten is your shit's just inaccurate like yeah straight up doesn't work yeah and there's those all those um people that got back results that didn't make any sense basically yeah it's it's just crazy like the fact that it wasn't caught sooner and i get it like they are really trying to change an industry that's crazy but they their shit stinks like they were covering some really shady tracks that if they had been honest about it like oh it's not really working the way it's we said it would like yeah okay well, well, we'll try and fix that. It, they wouldn't be in as much trouble as they are right now because they were marketing it as it works. It's in uh, Walgreens, you know, it's it's everywhere. So they're a fascinating company in that regard. So I don't know. I think these these heavily re- regulated startups, sorry, these startups that are in hairy, heavily, hairy regulated, heavily regulated industries are really, we're going to start seeing a lot more of these struggles coming to light you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's not abnormal to cut corners and these kind of things to try and beat the big players. But if you do that, you're going to get caught. <laughs> so it, I don't know. It'll be interesting to keep, keep watching them. I think that we've gone on for a very long time this week and I yeah, hope people like been... that because people did ask us to go longer. So we'd love to hear your feedback on that. You can email us. You know what I was thinking? Yes. Oh yeah. I was going to say I was just going to literally say, we should have an email address. Hey, we do. Well, yeah, we may, I'll, what I'll do is I'll create a general email address and I'll drop it in the show notes. But for those listening, you can email uh, me at least on owen at char.gd and I will get it and I'll forward it to John. But it will also be in the show notes, which you can get to. I've never mentioned it on this and I should have mentioned it on this. It's podcast.charged basically. And the dot is between the gd it's horrible it's a horrible domain it looks really great it's an awful domain it looks it's great a, but i hate it uh, hey look uh, it looks great but every time i try to go to it i'm like uh, is it missing the vowels is it it's dot missing, grd is it dot e. tld yeah i know but somebody has charged.com and they're not using it it sucks anyway you can go there we could do a slack group too yeah one of those like 
That would invite be cool. Slack groups. Many things we can do. We'd love to hear from you anyway. And so, yeah, if you Google charged Owen, John, you'll find it. Trust me. Uh, and you can also tweet us on at charge tech. We would love to hear from you. If it's too long, too short, too, mo- too moany, not enough tech, whatever. We'd love to hear. So thank you for listening this week. Talk to you again yeah. next week. Thanks John. for hanging out with me, Owen. See you later.